Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we talk with people around the world who can help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor, certified eating disorder specialist, and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Calming the Chaos Podcast is for those who want self-help resources and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. In this episode of Calming the Chaos, I'll be talking to Verena Radlingmeier. And she and I will be talking about the chaos in the world today and how she works with it as a therapist. She has a, a very a wide variety of uh, expertise areas, including a doctorate in law and some experience with quantum physics, neuro-linguistic programming for children, and doing the work that she does working with people online and internationally, helping them with their chaos. I'm so happy to have Verena here with me today. So let's take a listen to the interview that we did on Calming the Chaos. Let's just bring Verena Radlingmeier up. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me and for making this chat possible. Yeah. Can you say your name in the right accent so that our viewers and our <laughs> listeners can get a flavor of what it really is supposed to sound like? Okay. In my original German accent, it would sound like Verena Radlingmeier. Beautiful. Yes. So now, so German is your native tongue. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because when I went onto your website, I saw that it was in a different language, but it did have the nice option to translate to different languages. So that was, that is really super cool that you offer that. And I guess you would have to because you do work with people around the world, right? Yes, I do. And I, I personally, I really enjoyed speaking English and speaking to people from all over the world because you get a broader view of things and of experiences. And I think it makes you more open-minded. So yeah, sometimes the time difference can be a bit chaotic, but it's fun too. <laughs> exactly, as we've just experienced, right? Because we went yes. and we sprung forward into spring three weeks ago, and then you are on uh, just this last weekend, so. Well, so let's hear a little bit about yourself. I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but I'm sure you can say a little bit more about yourself, how you got to where you are, and anything else you'd like to add about the work that you do. Okay. Um, actually, I got to where I am today in a very roundabout way because I started off studying law. I even have a law degree, a PhD. And it was only later in life that I discovered that I wanted to help people, that I'm very good at figuring out where their strengths lie, where they are, where they could go, what they can do if they are in a chaotic situation. And I think that my very own experience of not having chosen the straight path enables me to do the job right now. And I have, of course, a lot of training that that's that's that but you know personal experience is always a very 
an a way that makes you humble and wise, maybe. Mm. Yeah. So you started out in, in law and you got your doctorate in law. Did you ever practice law at all? Yes, I did. I did for a year. And actually, it was my one big dream. This is what I really wanted to do. And when I, you know, when the dream became real and I realized that it's not as I wanted it to be or not how I could cope with, this was a really disastrous situation. I wasn't very comfortable with that because if you work towards a goal and then it turns out to be the wrong one or not as it should be, that can be quite challenging. It was, <laughs> yes, a chaotic situation too. It's not for everybody, that's for sure. And for and I think that in law school, a lot of people realize that it's really super competitive. I don't know what it's like in Austria, where you're at, but I know in the United States, it's really super competitive. And uh, people are really stressed out as law school students. But you went through it, you got your doctorate, and then it was pretty clear that you weren't meant to be in that position. Yeah, and that wasn't... That wasn't fun, I can tell you, because, you know, you, you, you go for something, you go through all the stress, through all the exams, through writing your thesis and everything, and then you get the job, and then you're there and think, my God, I'm not cut out to do the job. So that was not an easy thing to do. But, mm. yeah, it, it helped me assist people better, because nowadays I do understand what that feels like, because I've been there. You told me about quantum physics before when we were talking. And so was that something that you studied after law or in between or during? What is the quantum physics connection that you have? Well, that started a little later in my career. It was actually um, between my master's and my PhD. And that's when I got my first um, try of quantum physics of a uh, very holistic view of a human being. And the fantastic thing was that it really helped me answer questions that I had always had, but never found the answers to. And I loved that very much. It was really great. But it was also a challenge because I had to step outside of my world of comfort, of, of everything I had learned or a lot of things I had learned. And I had more or less to combine two worlds, if you if you want to say it like that, yeah. Yeah, so I just thought, I always think that quantum physics is some really complicated thing. And so whenever anybody says anything about it, my eyes kind of glaze over and I go into my own little kind of mental chaos. And and so just to hear that you have that in your background uh, was, was impressive and also caused a little bit of chaos for me. Well, I totally get that because in school, I really hated physics. And if you had told me at age 16 that I would one day dive into the world of quantum physics, I would have told you that you're a really crazy person. <laughs> and, right. But actually, it's not so far off everything we experience in life. It's actually if you want something, in, if you can feel that it's already happened, then it will happen. That's the weird thing that you have to feel like it's already there and then it will be there. And I've tried that many times. I, and 
it works. I don't know why it sometimes works and sometimes not, because, you know, there are those dreams that maybe remain unfulfilled. But I think there's a bigger plan and we are not we are not God. So it also keeps you humble. <laughs> and yeah, that's also a good thing. But yeah, quantum physics it is. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So after law and that didn't work out, what did you do next? What was your process? Because I think that possibly there are people out there who are going through some employment chaos, especially after this whole pandemic thing, reevaluating what they want to do in life. And so what did you do after you knew that you had spent all this time uh, in uh, educating yourself for a position that you're not going to be able to do? Hmm. Well, actually, I did a lot of evaluation. First of all, I sat myself down and, and made a list of what I could do well and what I did well and what I managed and what I had achieved. Because when you're in such a low place or at a low point in your life and career, I think it's very important not to start off with all the mistakes you've made or the wrong turns. You have to boost your self-esteem at first. So go ahead and write down whatever you achieve. That's what I did. I And there was a, hu a huge list. You know, I wrote down that I had managed my, my schools, that I had finished every exam, that I was able to cook something, you know, everything and anything I could think about. I wrote it down. And when I felt comfortable and assured of myself again you know that, that took like some days and then I, I drafted an email and then sent the email to my friends you know some people I really trusted not all the friends but you know the the very close circle people who knew me well and I asked them to give me feedback on some questions and you know, so I had a broader view of what they thought me capable of or what they thought were my strengths lie or my weaknesses. And that encouraged me to build a new career. And that was, I think, a very good process. Also, I always listen to my gut. I have to tell you. Mm, intuition. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point. Not focusing on what you can't do, but actually sitting yourself down and looking at the things that you can do, even if it's cooking, right? And I don't think that's a very small task either, because for me, I don't, I can cook, but I don't cook really well. But, you know, everything is important. All the things that you, you do. And so then that process helped you to get grounded and then you were able to ask your friends for some feedback. Is that right? Yes, that's true. That's that's it. And I really think you shouldn't start with the feedback because, you know, there could be an answer that really throws you off. Just work on yourself before so that you feel comfortable and feel stable. And only then, because you're vulnerable in such a situation, you're, you're hurt, you're wounded, you're you know, you want to cry, build yourself up first, and then go out and contact those people's, people you can really trust. Yeah, so I'm kind of wondering, because a lot of your work has to do when you work with people in chaos, is to help them to identify their core values, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more in a bit. But did values come into play for you in discovering that this law degree and being in the law field just wasn't for you? 
Actually, back then it didn't, or at least I wasn't conscious about it. But now that, I, you know, hindsight is always <laughs> a good teacher. But now I realize that I, I switched careers, but I didn't switch them as much as I first thought I did. Because I'm still helping people, I'm still helping them getting the things right. I have to listen to them, I have to see what, what is true and what is false. I have to order and structure, so that's all things that I already did as a lawyer. And I do them now, I do them differently, I, I, I use them differently, but I think the strengths and the values I had, they are still here and they have been with me all this time. Yes, we call that transferable skills here in the United States. Oh, so we have the same skills, but they're transferred in a different way to another occupation. And that's exactly what you did. And so with your work now, tell us a little bit how you work with people uh, online and internationally to try and help them manage the chaos in their lives. Well, first of all, I have the honor to get to know them better. And that's, to me, that's the, the most interesting part of the work because I feel so honored when someone opens up to me and answers the questions I, the questions I have because it's not, you know, it's not always easy to say, okay, this is what I would like to do. Or sometimes it's just, I really don't know what I'd like to do. So then we have to go and dig deeper. And this first contact or this first session is usually like 90 to 90 minutes or two hours long. And yeah, people, I think that's one of my skills that they open up to me and that they trust me and that they also trust me with their real truth because that's something we learned to hide a lot because we are told to be this way and that way, or, you know, you should be happy because you have everything. And what if you are not? That's, that's also okay. So first of all, we talk and usually then I sit down and come up with a written basic concept. So what I do is like six to eight hours of diligent work where I really help you to rebuild the structure that you miss, using your strength, showing you what weaknesses you have and how you can work with them. You know, you have, you have to, to know who you are in your, in your total being. You do, it's not enough to say, oh, I'm really good at, I don't know what. You have to, like me, you have to be real and say, okay, I'm really bad at, bad at accounting. I can't do that. So <laughs> please, I need help there or whatever it is. And then when you have this written statement, this, this written work from me, then of course you, it depends really on the customer and on the client because it could be that you need some more help. It could be that you want some, I don't know, promotion or whatever it is. So it, it's very individual and I don't like, because I think every individual deserves individual treatment. So that's, that's what I do, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the the personal relationship or the relationship in therapy is supposed to be the most important thing about it. So of course you would want to spend time fostering that at first, and then you go right into their strengths, right? And 
uh, I guess some weaknesses too. Like here are my, uh, I would say strengths or limitations. And uh, then we, we get a realistic approach about like, what are we going to do from here on out? Right. And kind of the same approach that you took with your own self when you realize that, Hey, I got this law degree and I'm really not thinking I'm going to have a career in law and just sat yourself down and started looking at your own strengths. Yeah, it you know it worked for me, and I, and yeah, I I can see in my clients, you know, I I really like it when they have those happy faces and when they they feel alive again, and it's it's just sometimes it's just necessary to have someone who is there to to help you. You know, we all need trainers, or if you want to get fit for a marathon, then probably you get expert help. So there's nothing wrong with getting help, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you talking about the work that you do. Uh, when we talk about chaos, though, and your work and how it shows up, we have a lot of chaos in the world today. And so I was wondering if you might share a little bit about the the things that are going on in our world and how they've been affecting you and how you've been coping with, with some of them. Like, just take, for example, just the pandemic. And I don't know if what things are like uh, in uh, Vienna, Austria, where you are. But uh, tell us a little bit about how the p pandemic is affecting you and your clients and how you guys are coping with it all. Well, I think <laughs> there's not one answer to this question because uh, during the two and a half years, I think we are, or over two years of the pandemic, there was a lot of reaction and a lot of, you know, regulation and We've been through a lot of lockdowns here in Austria. We've been through school schools being closed and everything. So, what I what I think that is, most people are just overwhelmed, tired, exhausted. Not because there was so much more work, but so much more to handle. And if you go through uncharted territory, you have to have more energy you have to come up with plans all the time things that usually are on automatic you have to think about those so it was really a tough time and what personally what touched me most were the children because i remember my own time you know going to school or then to university it was it was fun you know of course you had to work but there was a lot of fun time and you were meeting people and making friends and not being able to do that, I think that's, well, that's something you have lost. You can't, you can't do that later on in life because it's at this, this stage in life that you do that. And also, I think that closing schools and keeping children from the, their routine wasn't the best thing to do for their resilience, although it was I do understand necessary and uh, the only way to go. Yeah. So, mm. so then the, the, the children and you work with younger children. I, I know you work with, with teens and adults, but do you work with the little ones like five years old, three years old or? No, not. I start with, I start working with children at age seven, more or less. And um, yeah, that's, mm. that's the, the age until 18. And um, yeah, and I think that that's why I'm, I don't know about kindergarten here because I, I don't have any experience in, in this except for private 
you know, what I see in private. But um, from my professional point of view, I'd say that the routine and the ability to just interact, you know, discover yourself, go out, make make your own life, do that. That was, I think, a very chaotic situation. And of, of course it was. And that was really not easy. Yeah. All right. Well, seven years old, uh, I'm so glad that you work with that population. I know in my work, I, I uh, work with uh, people, uh, adults uh, and children, what we call children, uh, age 13 and up. And so I'm glad that you're doing that work. And so when you think about the two-year pandemic, you said a lot of the uh, kid clients were just sort of missing out on things and they were just uh, just a lot of a sense of loss. And that's what kind of comes up for you when you think about the pandemic is just the children. Yeah, and I'm really, I really want to know what we will think of all the decisions we made in the, in the future, you know, looking back. And I do hope that resilience will just be the thing that guides every child because this is the only hope I have. Yeah. Developing resilience is very cool that you do. And I want to talk a little bit more about that if we could, how we develop resilience when we're being like just for example, the pandemic, when we're being pulled into different directions and we don't know where we're going and it is very chaotic, how to develop resilience is a, an excellent, I think, uh, question to ask. And I'm wondering how you help your, your clients and especially your kid clients to develop that resilience. Again, my, um, you know, first of all, I, I help the parents telling them what routine they can build up and how they can come, how important it is to have bedtime, reading, reading time, you know, the time that you don't maybe expose children to the news all the time, that you're aware that you, that they can hear you when you're on the phone. I know we are all worried or we are all afraid, but the main thing I tried, I did during the pandemic with the children is again, strengthen their core values because this is something that guides you all the time. And I could see that they were annoyed or they were upset or afraid or whatever. And this was for a reason. And mainly it was for the reason that they were hurt deep inside, you know, in their core values. And I just tried to, to ensure them that they are right, that there's, there is injustice out there, that not everything is fair, that life sometimes is like that, but that they are still right to believe in their values, to stick with them, to go ahead, even if it's a bumpy road, but just do what you what you want. Because I think later on in life, when you come, I don't know, across, across drugs or more peer pressure or whatever, I think then you have to rely on those strengths and values. And then you will say no, or you will step in, or you will show up for yourself. You know, it's, that's, yeah, that's what I do in my work. Yeah, and you know, you're making me think back to a time when I was in undergrad and our psychology 101 teachers said, well, we're going to be creating a values map. And I was probably in my mid to late 30s at the time when I was going through that program and my eyes just glazed over like, what is that? And because nobody, 
I, of course, I had learned values when I was growing up, but nobody had actually framed it as this is a core value of mine. I started to draw a picture of my cats because I knew I valued them. And, uh, and then I started to think about it and like, wow, well, what do I value about them? There was that um, affection or unconditional love, you know, and so I was able to sort of figure it through myself. But boy, would it have been nice to be seven years old or even a teenager and be taught about values? So with that being said, what's what are some of the values that your you or your clients have identified that are uh, universal or seem to be more common than uh, than not? There are two in children at the at between seven and thirteen years of age. There are those two that really come up quite often. And I think as adults, we can learn a lot from those because one is kindness and the other is protecting protecting nature the environment it could be a love for animals or it could be just you know protecting nature in general but this is what they what they come up with most often and i'm so glad that they do because you know we need a kind world and we need a world where we respect nature and care for it so this gives me hope for the future, actually, because I really think that if we strengthen that, that that what's already there, I don't have to put it into them because it's there. It's just what they want to express and what they want, want to go forward in life with. You know, this is this is there. And the fact that it's there is really reason for hope, I think. Yeah. Kindness and protection of nature or protection in general. Yeah, and I love that the children are, are just sort of defining those, those values here. And so I know that with the pandemic, at least in the United States, kindness has not been really great. Uh, we are not kind to some people who, or people are not kind to some people who don't maybe have what they value. So I'll give you an example of what goes on here in the United States. And maybe you can comment on this as far as where it is and where you are in uh, Vienna, Austria. So some people really do not like wearing these masks in public. Now, our mask mandates just got taken off this last March, maybe two weeks ago, is when we we stopped having to wear masks in public unless there is a specific sign that says you need to wear a mask. Well, throughout the whole pandemic, there were a lot of people who just didn't want to obey those rules. They just didn't want to do that at all. And they would be very unkind uh, to people uh, who were wearing masks. Similarly, on the other side, a person with a mask on would be unkind to a person who wasn't wearing one, right? I remember my husband comes home one time and says, yeah, I ran into this lady at the store and she was wearing a mask on her arm. And I was like, wow, okay. So he really had some strong opinions about like she should be wearing it over her face. So we've sort of lost the kindness and we're a little bit more impatient with each other, it seems like through this pandemic. And so that's been the experience here in the United States. What's it like in Austria? I would say it's the same, you know, because at least in my experience, I'd say, yes, it's definitely like that. You know, there have been opposites, no matter what, what uh, topic, there have been opposites. And I think discussion 
is very necessary and you can have your opinion and I can have mine and we don't have to agree, but we can always agree to disagree and still remain friendly. And that got lost because kindness and respect for each other shouldn't shouldn't get lost. But of course, if you are so stressed and maybe afraid, I think a lot of this comes from fear because, you know, when you think you might die because one isn't wearing the mask or on the other side, if you think you might die because of the mask or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's just a lot of stress. People have been through a lot of stress and that's, that's the main reason that we have become unkind as a society. So mm -hmm. I think it's very important to think of that every day. How can you show the children in your vicinity the kindness they have in them? How can you help them being themselves? And, you know, children learn from role models and not from nice words. That's, that's, yeah, that's right. They learn from what they see, a lot of them, right? So, right. So uh, the the whole idea of kindness has uh, has sort of or unkindness, whatever you want to say it. If, it. if kindness is on a spectrum, and we have say hate here and love mm -hmm. is here, kindness would be on you know a, a little bit more over on the love side, right? And we've lost that through the pandemic, and also online. I see that in online communities, people commenting under YouTube videos, people commenting in live chats, uh, people on Reddit, people on Twitter, and just kind of like yip yapping at each other. And I think that if we can remind ourselves that we're not all going to agree, just like you said, but that we can agree to disagree and respect each other and move along without being unkind, we are modeling that to the children and they're seeing us do that. What they're seeing actually, uh, if you look at the whole world, is that they're seeing this constant bickering. And my fear is that the children will see that and think that's what they're supposed to do when they grow up or even right now. What do you think about that? Sometimes it worries me too, because also there's an, actually there's a study that was done with uh, small children even before the pandemic. And they were given the choice of a red and a green person, you know, computer animated person. And the green one was very friendly and the red one was a bit unfriendly and maybe even beating other figures. And at an early age, they all chose uh, the green figure, the nice one. But later in life, they would choose the red one because we as a society had taught them that it's good to use your elbows and to show your strength and not to be weak. And um, sometimes I, yeah, I think that it's not easy that we lost this, the kindness, but I'm really hoping that, you know, with the end of the pandemic and the regulations being lifted or, or more consistency in life again, that the stress level will reduce and mm -hmm maybe people will learn that by interacting and by being there for each other, that things are always easier when you share and care. Yeah, I like that, share and care. And when we talk about those two, those two values that you mentioned of kindness and uh, protection of our world that come up with the children, 
you know, it, it reminds me of the war that's going on in Ukraine. And so that's in Europe where you are. It's startlingly close to uh, Vienna. And uh, so I'm wondering if you can speak to, you know, uh, just some resilience uh, or a, sort of a tip or a tool or something, re resilience building uh, that we could maybe use uh, for for people over here who are scared of what's happening over there, but mainly for people who are more close close to all of that unkindness and all of the destruction that's going on in the world over there. My, my Really, my number one tip is to reduce the time that you expose yourself to the news. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't watch them at all because I, I want to be informed too, but I choose a, a window of time where I know that I'm really strong, that I'm not hungry, I slept well, I'm well rested and I'm ready. I don't watch the news before I go to bed because this would, for me this would be totally wrong, but you have to find your individual solution. So that's maybe one of the most important points to reduce your stress factors. And then I think community, community service, and a lot of routine can help you to feel supported and safe. So I don't know if you have a religion or if you have a sports group or whatever it is. So do that or yeah, stick to routines with your children. I really, I really know that is very helpful. And this gives you a sort of anti-chaos, you know, when everything around you is chaotic. You, it feels good to know that you can rely on friends, society, that you have order in your home. That's, I think, a good starting point. Yes, and I appreciate that. And yet, because those images are so real on social media that you see of the refugees, of the destruction, and of the political discussions, you could probably find yourself glued to the news all day. In fact, I know some people who do. They just have it on their TV running all day. But what you are suggesting is that people put up some boundaries about that and that they are more uh, aligned with their own self-care and mental uh, well-being and preservation, mm -hmm. even though this is going on in another part of the another part of Europe than you're in, but it's still Europe, and it's also for us. It's going on in, in another part of the world to human beings, and I think the more that we think about it, the more distress that we will get. And I think if you believe in such things, when your distress and the collective distress rises, then we just are operating at a really stressful frequency mm -hmm. in our world. So I think what you're yeah. saying is very responsible for us to do. Yeah, thank you. And uh, there's actually a very interesting um, American Institute, the HeartMath Institute, and they, they do a lot of research on that stuff and they try to send out peaceful messes messages to help not just the individual, but also the, the world and I think that's that's very important. The more people that there are that thinking positive thoughts and not just thinking them, but feeling them, you know, trusting that something some higher power will will take care or that there will be a happy ending. I know it sounds like you know wearing tinted glasses. It's it's not like that. It's just using the power of your mind for an outcome that we all desire and dream of. So 
that's the whole premise behind that book, The Secret, which is, you know, what you manifest or put out there is going to come right back to you. And that, that actually lowers the stress level. And collectively, if we were all to do that, uh, the world would, I think, be a nicer, kinder, more protective of nature place to be. Yeah, true. Well, I appreciate you sharing those insights with us. And um, we, of course, uh, send all of our thoughts and concerns to all of the refugees out there and all of the children who yes. are away from their homes and on the run uh, doing whatever they're doing. Um, so that's just my little piece I want to say uh, about it. And um, anything you want to add? No, I'm just... You know, I think those people, everyone is brave because it's it's not easy on anyone. I, I talked to a Russian family and they said, you know, we don't want that. We will suffer too. So keep in mind that there are just some people in charge and others are just, you know, they have, they have to deal with what they have. And I really pray for both sides. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Russia is added in there and all of Europe. I really, um, I, you, I just, so it's funny that since the war began, my mind has been on Europe quite a bit more than usually, and, and not just the Ukrainian area, but Russia and all the surrounding countries. And so I think that's a good thing in just being able to think of people across the pond, if you will, right? And just being able to uh, think about them or pray for them or send them good energy, whatever it is that you want to do. So it's just made me more aware of, of Europe as a continent and uh, everything that uh, is going on in there and the people that are there for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think I had thought about Poland in years, but now every day I think of Poland. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yes, of course. And sometimes it also shows us that there's more to life than us, but also that we learn to, at least at what happened to me, I learned to appreciate what I have, you know, the peace and the stability and yeah, a warm place to sleep in. So, yes. Right. Yeah. Being able to like uh, go and get a cup of coffee in the morning yeah. or have your cup of tea in the morning, uh, drive to your job, right? Have a structure to live in is uh, something that uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately too. So yeah. I hope good can come of this somehow. And um, in the meantime, limiting your exposure is probably a good idea. Well, I'm going to switch gears here and I'm going to see if I can share the screen with you and I will see if we can do this and bring up your website. Do you see that? Oh, oh yeah. there we go. Yeah, so we, we are at your, your website and I'm just going to go ahead and uh, have you talk a little. This is in English because I did change the translation function. But I love that you put on the very front page, not just your name, but there is an acronym for your name here. Do you want to tell us how you got that acronym to work like that? It's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. It's just something I love doing. I, I don't know how it happened. Actually, the first time I did something like that was when I, when I was still uh, at university and I was invited to an event where you could network and, and you know, talk to possible future employers. And uh, I got a call in the afternoon that, I that they were still waiting for my 
contribution. And I said, what comp contribution? And the lady was very nice and said, didn't you read that you were asked to send something creative about being an entrepreneur along? You can do whatever you like. You can build something or write something or do something. And I had two hours left before I had to leave. So I thought, my God, I can't build anything right now. So this is, was the first time that I just, you know, wrote down entrepreneur in, in German, of course, Unternehmer. And I just made it, yeah, I, I, I made a story out of that and I won first prize. So, and I really love writing. It's, it's good for my soul. It's where I find my resilience, my stability, my my happiness you know it's my happy place and yeah and i thought why not share something about myself in the way i i love and i like this because it starts to talk about the nature the end for the nature conservation is important to almost every child and you had mentioned that earlier with the values of them and then above it the the, the second e is elves magic hmm want to say a little bit about elves because i know that comes up in other places in your website as well. Yeah, it's it actually it, it it's uh, the children are to blame for that because you know their love for nature and their love for all things, you know, a bit mystical and Harry Potter and whatever. So at one point, I I, I realized that they are more enthralled for the idea of keeping nature safe when they learn more about that, and there is a lot of of elf elven stories and magic and and you know the soul of plants and i want to share that with them because i think that nature is a living being too and we have to treat her with kindness and i also think that a stone has a soul and my dog has a soul and my flowers are guarded by something that's not just me so yeah that's yeah. why that is so cool. I love that you said that about the elven creatures and the world and that we, you know, they have souls. And yeah. so this is a picture of your, one of your dogs. I think you have more than one, correct? Because you actually do uh, a lot of work with dogs, right? I have one dog. She's actually enough. <laughs> She's all oh. I need. <laughs> She's a lot of work. And uh, she's a search and or going to be a search and rescue dog. So we spend a lot of time in training and she's with me when I'm here. And she's not a therapy dog, but I think she's she has a therapeutic effect on everyone who's coming in because she's, mm -hmm. you know, fun or just interesting or even the children who, who are scared at first, they come back and say, oh, my God, she's here. Can I touch her? <laughs> That's, There's Wendy right have. there. Yeah. yeah, so cool. And she is a search and rescue dog in training, correct? Yeah. Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, I'm so glad to have been able to visit at least the front page of your website. Let me go ahead and um, just to see if I can get the, you have an online course apparently that you're working on. Maybe you could try and tell us about that and I'll see if I can bring that up too. Okay, of course, thank you. Um, yes, as I, as I told you before, I really think that your values are very important in life, that they can give you a sort of stability and clarity that especially in a chaotic situation will be missing and you want that. 
So from my personal experience and from the work with my clients, I developed something I call a value map. And it's a very easy learn yourself online class. So whenever you're ready, you just click on the link and you can start immediately. And the best thing or the best approach is to have to spend like half an hour for five days. And then in the end, you will have very, you will be very clear on your specific values. And then you can go ahead, you can, you know, if you want to share it with your family, just go ahead. If you, this course is there for you all the time. So you don't have to worry about not having time right now. The moment you sign up, you're, you're, you can start, but you don't have to start. And that all the, all the information will be there for you all the time. So no worries. I love uh, courses like that because they're standalone and you can take them. And I think you could probably pause it too and return to it if you need to. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's it. no no stress because life life is so stressful already. You don't want to sign up for a course that's forcing you to something. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So introduction and then the pillars. So it's, it's all about creating this value map kind of what I was talking to you about earlier uh, when yeah. I was in the psychology class they had us do that but they didn't have us uh, get any instruction on what is what are values or anything like that they just said go ahead and they handed us some crayons and a piece of paper and I'm just like what I'm completely lost <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, this is so great. So I appreciate that. And uh, have have you um, had pretty much success? People um, appreciate the class and have uh, benefited from it? Yes, I'd, I'd say so, because um, oftentimes they come here and then I talk about values. And at first they're a bit like uh, their eyes glaze over and, you know, it's like, do I really have to? And is this like some of this, you know, behave well classes or something? Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It's it's about having more fun in life. And it's, it's not something that people link, you know, they think of values and, you know, stiff clothes and, and not being able to move properly or something like that. And discovering that this is what, what has been guiding you all along. That's, that's then a very good experience. And I've ha really had clients in very like disastrous divorces or something, and they came out stronger. And yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah, good to I, see. I have to say that I, I do a certain amount of work with values as well. And I think that a lot of times when people are experiencing extreme emotions uh, especially anger usually mm -hmm. one of their va their core values is is being checked or being yeah. uh, trampled on you know so one person's safety for the planet might be everybody needs to have a gun to protect themselves while mm -hmm. another person's safety for the planet is that we need to do recycling and we need to be more mindful of the you know the the trees and the air and all that other stuff right uh, so it is the same value though and it's interesting how the values can be expressed in in different ways so mm -hmm. um, I think we have a lot more in common than than we know like the, going back to the mask example safety and protection may be the value on both sides I, I think that I'm I'm valuing uh, protecting my rights I'm valuing protecting the right to, to not wear a mask um, and so it, it has to do with values but they're just being expressed 
in different ways, right? That's true. It, you're excellent. You're really excellent point. And I also think that in families, you know, sometimes when a, a fight just explodes, it's not because you, not only because you said something wrong, but you touched something deep, deep, deep inside. And that's when things can really get ugly. And mm -hmm. yeah, it would be good if you knew, because then you could just tiptoe around that <laughs> or be more conscious about what's important to the other person. So this would be, yeah, kind. Exactly. There was a phrase that one of my teachers at hypnotherapy school came up with, and it was a carefrontation. So you, it's kind of taking the word confrontation and putting care, and that's going to be, I care about you, and I'm confronting you. And just combined it into one word, carefrontation. And I love that word because we sometimes do have to talk about things that aren't something that we would normally talk about that could uh, be conflictual. And uh, we could do that with care, right? I think there's a way to do that with care and respect. That's a very great word. I like that because it's it expresses that we can be of different opinion and still care for each other. That's a very excellent word. Maybe you could uh, develop a, a, you know, the the German version of that, right? I don't know what care, <laughs> careful or caring and confrontation are as words in German, but uh, maybe you could develop that and um, and uh, use it for your own, right? I will have to think on that, but I, I could come up with something, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was certainly nice having you here to talk to today and telling us some really good grounding tips and techniques to use for resilience building, uh, teaching us about values and also uh, giving us some, some tips to manage our chaos. Uh, anything else you want to add? Any promotions, uh, services or anything else that you would like to talk about before we close our interview today? I just want to thank you and everyone, of course, in, is invited to have a look at my website or find me on Facebook. But I really wanted to thank you because you're a wonderful host and it was so much fun to talk to you and you guiding me through all that because, as said, English is not my mother tongue. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, no, we've been through a couple of mishaps together and we have never actually met in person, but we've just, there's this thing that happens, this kind of chaos, and we managed to do this, right? <laughs> yes, and I really appreciated that because it was such a, an interesting journey and um, a wonderful experience. Thank you so much. Yeah, so please make sure and visit uh, Verena's uh, website, and that is www.verena. R-A-D-L-I-N-G-M-A-Y-R.com. Verena Radlingmeyer. Did I say that right? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the Perfect. more I say it, the more I practice it, the better it'll become, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> wonderful, you. wonderful having you here today. Um, I appreciate you. And uh, thanks again for joining us on Calling the Chaos. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If the information in this podcast has been helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, and on YouTube. You can also go to our podcast website 
at www.calmingthechaospodcast.com, where you can listen to all Calming the Chaos podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.